Welcome to the show, Paul George, right here in studio, sitting right next to Adam Conk. Yes, you are. You're sitting right next. Thanks for that description. Of, <laughs> Did of you what's not know I was right here? <laughs> I love that. How like, I mean, there's nothing else to do. That's the right thing to do. But usually, like announcers introducing them, just state everything that's happening around them. I can't help but sit next to you. <laughs> this place is so small, actually. <laughs> you can sit anywhere in the room, and it's right next to me. Anywhere in the room, and it's right next How to you. How are you, Paul? I'm good, man. Dude, I'm loving the new uh, apparel you're bringing into studio lately. Yeah. Like, you have this really cool, I don't even know what to call it, jacket? Yeah, but it's pullover? kind of a pullover jacket. Pullover. Yeah. Okay. I'm not down with the lingo. Yeah. But it's pretty neat. It's uh, Lead Professionals. Yep. What is that? Because it's the second item you're wearing like that. Yeah. I've, yeah. I have two items with the logo. Lead Professionals Group. It's actually a... Uh, a group of guys um, and affiliates that do leadership training and talks. I'm a part of the leadership team for that. Really? Mm-hmm. You go into companies, give talks, uh, motivational talks. But it's it's here's the caveat to lead professionals is that we talk about the spirituality of leadership. Hmm. And we really believe that the best leaders are those who are in touch with their God-given gifts and talents and lead from a spiritual perspective. Hmm. So if I'm, let's say I'm a boss in a company or owner of a business Mm -hmm. or just in leadership of something like, I don't know, principal of a school or whatever, and that idea of being a spiritually well-rounded leader resonates with me, what do I do do with that? I could get in touch with you people? Yeah, just get in touch with me. Go to leadprofessionalsgroup.com. It's that Um, easy? Yeah. What the heck? It's part of what we do. And we talk about meaning and purpose and gifts and we do retreats and keynote talks and one-on-one coaching, uh, but it's really great because it, it my, you know, my passion of being a Christian, Catholic, and bringing in the spirituality in everything that I do mm-hmm. helps me to to bring that into uh, into a field of the business world where a lot of people are who don't want to, who maybe don't know their purpose, or they are spiritual but they don't know how to lead with their spirituality as as a focus. Um, and so we really bring that in. It's not saying that you have to make you, you you have to start talking about Jesus in every conversation in your secular business, but you don't have to give up your spirituality to be a leader. You're like an onion with so many layers. I feel like you know we have guests every once in a while that you interview. I feel like we need to interview you one day <laughs> just to pull back all these layers of work you're doing. Cause I, I'm kind of one of those guys that I, like I don't talk a ton. But mm-hmm. uh, you start asking me questions, and yeah, it's like peeling stuff back. You're like, I didn't even know that about you. <laughs> well, like, the little bit I know about your life, it seems like God has sent you to so many interesting places, relationships, little missions to do, or big missions to do. And you've said yes to a lot of things, so you've just got all this stuff going on that on the surface, you know, it's not on your forehead or anything. Yeah, so I had a real interesting trip this week. I was in Atlanta, Georgia, actually north of Atlanta and Flowery Branch, which is a suburb of Atlanta. Everything's a suburb if it's around there. <laughs> but uh, that's where the Atlanta Falcons training camp is. Oh. So they have a really big uh, church there, a parish. So I was there uh, speaking at sort of like a one-night event type mission that they do. So the week of, the guy emails me uh, and says, hey, oh, by the way, forgot to tell you, your talk's going to be translated in Spanish. Now, so I just thought, like, you know, People who spoke Spanish, maybe didn't speak English, who were there because there's a large Hispanic community there, uh, might be like wearing headphones or something like that. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, but when I got there, I was like, so how's this going to work? Like, I didn't really <laughs> think about it until I got there. 
And he's like, well, you're going to say a sentence, and then the interpreter is going to say the sentence in Spanish. Like on the PA? Yeah, like in a microphone. So like, like you say, God's got a big plan for your life. Yes. Wait. Wait. She's going to say it. Or blah, he, blah, 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 was blah. it a man or a woman? A woman. A woman. Yeah. Dios big plano. <laughs> right. In your life. Oh. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I had, you know, they wanted me to have a 45-minute keynote presentation, and I did. What I didn't realize is that when someone else is giving your talk with you. It's twice as long. It's twice as long. <laughs> so I actually had to cut my talk down, like, mid-talk into, like, oh, I'm not going to get through all this. <laughs> so, like, I cut out, like, literally the like the, the whole middle middle of the talk and then just went, like, beginning and end. And I don't know how it went, but people <laughs> liked it, and they, and they bought books. So... In English but it was or in fun. Spanish? Well, the book's in English, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is, that's something, especially if you weren't prepared, you know, mentally for that experience. Mm -hmm. Did you, Were you able to get into your normal rhythm, though? No, it was really hard to get in my rhythm. And yeah. a couple of times I got my rhythm, I just started talking real fast and got excited. And then I had <laughs> she to gave apologize to the interpreter because I was like, <laughs> I am so sorry. You probably don't remember everything I just said. But she was great. So that's the first time that's actually happened. Now, I've had, you know, people sign during the middle of the talks, but when when there's um, a sign language interpreter, they're literally signing as you're talking. Right. Like they can do the words as you're talking. You don't have to wait. Yeah. You don't have to wait. Uh, and But this is the first time that that's happened. It was interesting. It was fun. Had some yeah. fun with it. And well, now you got it under your belt, so if you can do it anywhere now. You can do it anywhere. Anywhere. You're one of those kind of speakers. All right, so I have an interesting have you seen... What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? Okay, so yeah, I'm for real. I don't know if you saw. It was a few weeks ago in the news. There was this, uh, it's not funny, but it, uh, it, anyway, there was this guy that was jogging and a mountain lion attacked him. Did I did not this? see this, no. This is like headline news. Wow. Okay. So the That's mountain lion attacked him and the guy wrestled the mountain lion, submitted it, and, you know, actually killed the mountain lion. You're kidding. Okay, so it's this big news, right? Like, if you got attacked by a mountain lion... And I won? Like, that you, is big news. You, you know, you're going to have to fight back. It's just not like, oh, like, I got to let the kitten live and let me die. <laughs> like, you got to protect yourself. And uh, so anyway, it's this big news. And, you know, I had friends text me like, man, can you believe this? This guy, like, you know, bare hands, you know, killed this mountain lion. Well, you know, I've kind of been intrigued by that, you know story well yeah you literally know. with his bare hands like he didn't pick up a rock or oh, he was jogging in colorado yeah i mean he just wrestled and choked it out i guess and, oh my uh, gosh yeah all right so here's the deal uh, <laughs> an update came to the story okay uh, -huh. uh and uh and i'm kind of disappointed i'm kind of disappointed okay so i'm picturing this was it really a raccoon line. or something no no oh. it was a really a mountain lion but the recent <laughs> Update on the story is that, uh, you know, because this guy's like been in the news, he's been interviewed, you know, he's got pictures of his face all like scarred in the hospital, but yet, you know, he's like, you know, I, I did it and yada yada. <laughs> I'm the man. I'm the man. <laughs> and, you know, I he's the guy that's known that, you know, wrestled a mountain lion and submitted it. So, anyway, he, uh, an update came on the story and they found out that the mountain lion is actually a baby mountain lion, you know, is like four or five months old. <laughs> And weighs like twenty five pounds. <laughs> now, if you've ever had like a, a dog, when a especially a big dog, if it grows four, you know, four or five months old, they're they're still 
you know, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, it's it's a healthy a size you don't dog. like, I don't know how old the dog is, but mm. you know, like, oh, it's just playing around. It's a young dog. It's four or five. So this thing's only four or five months. So basically like in mountain lion language, it's like a kitten. Yeah. Okay. It's like a mountain kitten. Yeah. Taxi guys probably think he's playing and you know, the guy submits it. Well, it's like 20 pounds, 25 pounds. Like that's the size of my one-year-old kid. <laughs> so that'd be like me submitting a mountain lion that's like the size of my one-year-old. Mm-hmm. So I'm just disappointed. It ruined the mystique for you, yeah. It ruined it. It ruined it. Now, I'm not saying like, he, you know, whatever, but I mean, come on. You had new hope for humanity, and it was just taken from you. Yeah. 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 I wonder, you know, uh, could you take a full-grown mountain lion? I don't want to. I think of it course, was, but could you? His face was tore up from, from a, a one-year-old 20-pound <laughs> kitten. <laughs> You imagine if it was like literally like a fifty pound. Yeah, I don't know if you'd win that kitten, fight. You know, something like that. <laughs> well, this is one of the occasions where I really have not seen it. Like you've educated me today, Paul George. Yeah, I appreciate it. Look it up. I'll send you the article. So anyway, here's um, something great that's coming up, Adam. <gasps> Lent. Lent. Yes. A few days away. It is a few days away, and I I think oftentimes for those people who are listening to the show. Uh, who do not live in Louisiana or the Gulf Coast, like Mississippi, up through at least through like Mobile, you're really not aware of how much Mardi Gras actually kind of consumes the first month before Lent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in particular the first couple of weeks, to the point where you're like, honestly not even thinking about Lent because it's like Mardi Gras stuff and king cakes and beads and parades and you're trying to get somewhere and there's blockades and people are going on parade, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden you turn the corner and it's Lent. For people who don't live in Louisiana or the Gulf Coast, you're just kind of like, you know, life's just normal and then it's Lent. Here, life's chaotic with Mardi Gras and then it's Lent. Yeah. Lent is what happens after Mardi Gras for most people. Yes. And, and that's not yeah. always good. Like, if no. you, you know, some of these 90% per- of Catholics participate in Mardi Gras, maybe 30% participate in life. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was behind a float the other day that was driving to a parade. Okay. Nice. And they had a DJ with speakers and people are dancing. This is like 9 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and there w- were libations flying <laughs> off the side of this thing at 9 a.m. And I'm thinking, how? Mm-hmm. How? Like, I can barely walk at 9 a.m. Like, <laughs> what? You know? And I'm thinking to myself, if you want to prepare for Lent, there you go. Yeah, you not know? the best. Not. Yeah, I don't think the, the idea is like, hey, let's go sin as much as we can before Lent. Right. I don't think that was the intention of Mardi Gras, but, no, you know. But speaking of intention, I think, you know, as we approach the season of Lent, um, it is really to be intentional, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, mm-hmm. how do we actually become intentional about Lent? I think... You know, we have to be intentional before we get to the situation. Now, I was listening to um, this podcast the other day, and they were interviewing this woman who's a who's a Christian leader and runs this nonprofit organization, and she had been through some a lot of adversity in her life. And they were talking to her about leading through adversity, like when you're going through personal adversity or your company's going through adversity. And they asked her some really interesting questions, and they were asking her about criticism as a leader, the adversity of going through criticism. And she made an interesting point. She says, I've been intentional about forgiving people before they hurt me. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought that that was a great line. Like she had already decided that she was going to be a type of person that was going to be forgiving before she was criticized or before someone came after her or hurt her. Not that saying that when someone does something, there's not pain or there's things like that. But she had already made a decision before it ever even happened. And we're talking about intentionality of anything, but particularly as we in the spiritual life, you know, Lent is like this moment for us to re-engage in the spiritual life. Like that's the beauty of the seasons of the church, where the church is like, hey, um, wake up again, right? Yeah. Uh, re-engage, get back in. Because why? God knows that we are forgetful people. We're lazy people that we get off track. Like God knows that. God's very mm-hmm. sensitive to that, to you know, our humanity. He knows that we're imperfect. So the church and its wisdom is like, hey, wake up, get back on track, right? But if we're not intentional about approaching Lent, what ends up happening is we get about halfway through and we have nothing going on spiritually. Yep. We've made no momentum. And then we just basically give up and we're like, I can't wait for Easter candy. <laughs> you know, it just kind of like zooms by. Yeah. Right? Well, the Father's plan for our salvation is following his son, Jesus Christ. Right? Like that's the plan. Discipleship is not Christianity, you know, plus one or some cool version of Christianity. Discipleship is Christianity and it's salvation. Jesus himself said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. And he also said on another occasion, what is the will of the heavenly father? That you believe in the one he sent him, right? right. So the plan for human salvation is discipleship with Jesus Christ. Lent is one of the times where we all know Jesus is calling us somewhere. It's up to us to discern where. But we all know Jesus is calling us to some growth, some change, some conversion this Lent. Because that is what Lent is for. It's not a man-made invention in the sense of, you know, we just, it's a good idea once a year to remind ourselves of the basics. It is, but it's way more than that. It's once a year that Christ calls us to something new, greater, and better that's going to be hard to get. Yep. And so we have a whole yep. 40 days to find out what that is, to prepare, and then say, yes, I will find what you want from me, Jesus. And it's going to be hard and tough, but I'm going to do it. Right. And if we don't, we missed out. Right. And we, we, we risk our salvation. Look, Lent is not... You're already a great Catholic. Just up your game this Lent. Lent is, we need Jesus so bad that if we don't follow him into Lent right now, we might not make it. Right. You know? Like, this is life or death stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And not only is this what Lent's about, this is what God's about. Yeah. Right? Like, God in his infinite wisdom, love, and mercy constantly sends us an invitation to grow spiritually. Mm -hmm. Okay? We're never where we're supposed to be. But we should always be trying to move forward, right? And uh, the beauty of Lent is like this is you know it's, it's the wisdom of the church, but it, it's it's the beauty of God sending another invitation of a a wake up call, you mm-hmm. know, like hey now it's time to grow. So wherever you are, it, this is not like you know Lent's not for like people who are trying to be you know perfect. Lent's for all of us wherever we are, wherever we are of saying. I just want to allow God to do something in my life. Yep. One step forward. Yep. You know, one little thing, you know, or one major thing. It doesn't matter. Like, it's not like me looking at, like, all the holy people and say, you know, I can't do Lent. 
It's about me looking at my life and be intentional about how I need to grow spiritually so that I can become the person that God created me to be. And I'm going to do that my whole life. It's not like I'm going to have one lint at some point in my life that's just going to do all the work, right? right. This right. is why Lent cycles around every year. It's not like the church is like, you know what? There's a, We're going to do Lent once every 20 years. And so in the course <laughs> of your life, you may get two or three Lents in, and those are going to impact your life dramatically. The church is like, no, there's Lent every year. There's Easter every year. There's mm-hmm. Advent every year. There's Christmas every year for a reason that we can engage in not only the life of the church, but, but the life that God wants for us because he's intentional about pursuing us. Exactly. So why shouldn't we be intentional about pursuing him? That's a great point. And one of the ways he pursues us is the liturgical calendar. He has So God's will for us is our salvation in Jesus Christ, but he communicates that will to us in lots of ways, right? Um, but the liturgical calendar is one way he communicates to us what he wants to do in our life, what he wants from us. So he wants from all of us conversion, growth, detachment from sin, detachment from things of this life and, and attaching to things of heaven. That's what he wants for all of us, right? Absolutely. How do we know? Lent. Boom. He tells us it's yeah. Lent time. There's a day it starts, there's a day it ends. Yeah. And it ends with Easter, which is what he wants for us then. But right now, what's in front of us, for all of us, God wants Lent for us. Are we going to say yes or no? Are we going to have a half yes or a full yes? Right. Now, it's going to be different for all of us, but our yes should all look the same. Amen to that. All right. It's Paul and Adam talking all things art of living, getting ready for Lent. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam here talking all things Art of Living, getting ready for Lent edition. So would you wrestle a mountain lion? If I had to, right. sure, I'd try. Yeah, but I would, I would literally try to find some helpful things like a weapon, <laughs> or <clears throat> something to that effect, where I have some advantage. Because if it's just me and lion, it's not going to work out. <laughs> so I'd have to use my brain. And I think. wouldn't volunteer to fight a mountain lion. No, but I was watching this other video, and people would be like, "Paul, what do you do with your life watching these videos?" I don't know. People <laughs> send me stuff all the time, but mm-hmm. uh, there was people on this dock and they were feeding dolphins and this one woman kind of got scared like with holding the fish and so she pulled it back and the and the dolphin jumped up on her and like was really laying on top and like flopping you know it was hysterical wow. okay yeah and That'd then it fun. and then it kind of flopped off and i was like <laughs> i wouldn't want that either did it get the fish <laughs> i think so i think so dang that's hardcore yeah. so that's kind of like me flopping into lint <laughs> <laughs> Well, how do we not flop into lit, Paul George? We talked about the importance of being intentional. Yeah. How do we do that? We're going to talk about that. 
But here's the deal. You know, in my talk the other day in Atlanta, I was, um, I kind of led with this line. And, uh, you know, the topic for the talk was living as a disciple and being on mission. That's what they, they wanted. So I'm talking about that. But really led into the talk by this statement. And I wanted people to come around this statement for the, for the whole talk so that they can at least walk away with a line. That, and here's roundabout what the, the line was, is that Jesus never said that living a life for him would be easy. Like he never promised it would be easy. But he did say that he is the source of happiness and the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think a lot of times we want to look at the spiritual life and we want the easy way out. Or we want it to be simple and easy. But the reality is, is that Jesus never promised it would be easy. We'd have difficulties. Life's unfair. It's hard. It's difficult. We all go through trials. And the spiritual life um, is not is not easy. Right, it it takes effort, and it takes us really looking interiorly at ourselves with intention. Right, not because that's hard and bad, but because this is what makes us the person that God really wants. That the world and life is always trying to alter our perspective, and Lent is a time to re-enter um, in a spiritual way that allows us to see our life and the world and other people through God's lens. Yeah, and I mean, the original Lent was RCIA class. I mean, Lent's an interesting season because it, yeah, it's the only season that started this way. It came out of um, a practice for new new Catholics, those that are joining the church. We're going to get together before Easter when we bring you in, and we're going to have great preparation and disconnect you from the world you've been living in and connect you to this to the life of the church and to whatever. And so the readings each day during Lent or RCIA readings, they were chosen to tell the whole story of salvation and the, the new covenant in Jesus Christ, like all the major points. Um, it, it's RCIA season if you want to look at that. But then the church decided, you know what, it's not just for new Christians. We need to revisit this as a church every year. Right. Revisit the essential message of our salvation, yep. the events of Exodus and uh, the Passover. We need to revisit, you know, the prophet Isaiah. We need to revisit the Gospels and what they really mean. And so it's a beautiful time of entering into who are we really. And like you said, I think pretty much the major theme is disconnecting from the world that doesn't know God and detaching from that and attaching ourselves to Christ. Right. And when you talk about year. disconnecting and detaching, here's one of the readings that um, was, you know, recent, that, that's kind of like as we're getting closer to Lent. Uh, here's one of the readings. It's, it's one of those tough gospel readings that oftentimes is very perplexed, right? Uh, it's from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, it says this, And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Uh, for it is better for you lose one of the members than uh, that you would lose your whole body and go into hell. Like this is, and if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, right? Like we all, we've all heard that. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. And we're like, what in the world mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is Jesus talking about? Like that's crazy talk, right? And the reality is, is that Jesus doesn't say anything in the Gospels, if he doesn't mean it, and if it doesn't have meaning. 
Mm-hmm. So when we look at that gospel and say, why is Jesus saying, you know, if your hand calls you sin, cut it off, your foot, your eye, gouge it out, you know, yada, yada, yada. And what's he talking about? I mean, he's literally coming at the perspective of cutting the things out of your life that don't allow you to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. to live the life that God wants you to live. And Lent's about pruning. It's about cutting away the things in our life that are causing us to sin over and over and keeping us from living in freedom with Jesus. I mean, plain and simply. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so we look at that reading and we're like, ah, uh, you know, uh, you know, is Jesus talking literally or figuratively? Both, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he's literally saying you need to cut away real things in your life that are causing you to sin. And I think he's talking figuratively in a sense of, I may not mean cut your actual eye out, but like if you're looking at things that are sinful, you need to cut those things out. Right. Right. And like how I, you know, when I read that reading, I'm thinking Jesus was pretty serious about this. Yeah. And he didn't say it would be easy. Yeah. And I think one thing we need to get serious about is our level of comfort with sin. Um, and this is what's great about Lynn is that, all right, I remember when I started dating my wife, she just didn't watch any movie above PG. Right. Like it was just a matter of policy for her. You know, right. I was not that way. Now I didn't watch movies that I knew were inherently just evil movies. Like as far as just so much sin in it that whatever, but you know, if, if a movie had certain images or themes or dialogue or violence, but I thought there was some redeeming value to it, like, sure, that's fine, whatever. Well, I had no idea that as I dated my wife and, you know, kind of conformed to her, then I went back and watched like a rated R movie that wasn't even that bad. Like, it just seemed so awful. Right. Like you started to like, (laughs) yeah. I became so desensitized to images, dialogue, whatever. But when I took a step back from it and reapproached it, now I'm not saying I should never watch rated R movies. What I am saying is, taking a step back for a time allowed me new perspective that when I approached it again, I saw it for what it really was. You weren't numb to it. Right. Right. Lent is an opportunity not to cut, like we're talking about cutting things out of our life. Some things need to be out of our life 100% totally. That's what Jesus is getting at, right? Like sin should not be a part of our life, right? But some things lead us into that sin that we need a new perspective on if it's not going to continue. For example, we're going to give up, uh, we do this every year, but we give up like TV, basically. I mean, we don't watch TV really like in a traditional sense as far as broadcast television like we used to. I mean, we do like Netflix and whatever else as a family. Right. But we give up these things, not because they're awful or because, you know, we're using them to sin every day, but we and our kids especially need a different perspective, a new perspective, a better perspective on entertainment and the whole thing to keep it all in balance each year we need to give it up for a time right? so that we realize it's not the most important thing and we approach it with a new, fresh pair of eyes. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, fasting is about. And we'll talk more, uh, you know, into this in Lent. And I think about, you know, what are the things that uh, Jesus wants to cut out, you know, cut away? Like 100%. You know, like get, get rid it of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- these are the things that I came up with. And there's a lot of subcategories under these things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, habits. Like not nun habits, <laughs> like bad. some nuns got rid of their habits. <laughs> yeah, like bad habits. Habits, bad habits yeah. 
attitudes and relationships. Yeah. Like if I look at my, if my life is either thriving or declining spiritually, I think if it's declining, I have bad habits, I have bad attitudes and I have bad relationships. Mm -hmm. All those things affect me. Okay. If I am doing well spiritually, I've cut out bad habits. I'm thinking clearly about what God wants for me. My attitude's changing, right? My mm -hmm. thoughts, my interior thoughts about who I am and who God is. And I'm hanging around the right people, right? And these are the things that I think oftentimes we're most afraid to cut loose on. We're afraid to get rid of friendships that aren't good for us, right? Uh, we're afraid to... Uh, stop thinking and being the way we've always thought and, and been. And, and we're certainly afraid to let go of our habits, yeah. you know, and cut those things away, whether it be, you know, eating, drinking, laziness, you know. The uh, way we talk to people. Cursing, gossip, you know. It's like these habits that become over and over and over that it literally becomes who, almost who we are. Yeah, and that's the issue with habits is that they do become, we identify with habits. For example, I do this. That's what I do. But they don't define us. And so one of the, one of the um, difficult aspects of this, and the reason why we fear it so much, is if I don't do this habit, if I don't do things this way, well, then what else do I do? Mm -hmm. I don't know who I am without this habit. Right. But that's the whole point, is that we got to identify in our relationship with Christ and something bigger than such and such habit. And this habit has hold over us because we identify with it. Right. And here's the thing about habits, you know, when we talk about, you know, the reverse of a bad habit is, you know, good habit is basically virtue. Right. Right. Building in these these positive habits in our life becomes a, a true virtue in our life. Is if you want to know if something truly affects you or if you're addicted to a habit, you basically can't give it up. You can't go without it. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're finding yourself you're like, Man, I, I'm eating eating too much or I, I drink too much. If you if you want to know if it's like too much then you can't, go, and you try to go without it, and you can't. It's too much. Yeah. Right. This is what Lent does. It helps us purge away bad habits that we've just slowly let creep in. That's just become part of our daily routine and 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 life. And Lent says, "How about cut some of those things away? See if you could live without it. Because if you could live without it, then you could live, you know, with you can carve out more space for me, God. You right. Know, right. And then." If you if you blend that back in after Lent, you can have a healthy balance to it, you know, because some habits aren't necessarily bad unless it's too much of the habit, right? Right. If they become part of your identity, then it is bad, right? Even if it's not a bad thing. For example, uh, like I brought up Netflix or whatever, like entertainment is not bad, right? But as a whole, our society uses entertainment to numb and anesthetize ourselves so we don't have to deal with the reality of life. Like right. that's its purpose. That's not a great purpose. <laughs> Right. Like, that's not a good thing. Right. And so if we find ourselves doing that, using entertainment for that reason, for example, I like to watch something when I'm stressed. That's the same reason alcoholics drink and then they be, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. we don't entertain things. So can you things. replace something else with that stress, like prayer or exactly. quiet or, you know, talking to your spouse, you know, and I had a friend just recently, like even before Lent, he's like, you know, I found myself going home just by habit. Every night I would have drinks. There's nothing wrong with having a drink, but he said it became, you know, every night, more and more, every day, every night, mm -hmm. to the point where he's like, I don't, this is so much a part of me, like, can I not live with that? So what he ended up saying is, let me try 
to not do this every night and slowly begin to weed it the habit out of his life because he felt like he couldn't have a drink and be healthy about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole point of Lent. It's like it's not fasting from these silly things. It's actually looking intentionally at our life and saying, what are the bad habits that have creeped in that I can say, okay, during Lent, I'm going to be intentional about weeding those things back so I can be healthy with with the things that I do. Yeah. And like you said earlier, if you can't imagine your life without it, that's a pretty good clue that that's what you need to give up. Right. Because, I mean, one thing we'll often hear or say is, uh, oh, no, I need that. Like, I need that downtime. I need that recharge time. I need that thing. You know what I mean? And we don't hear ourselves saying those things. I need that. Right. <laughs> do you? Right. Like, right. Do you really need that? Yeah. I mean, and there's only very few things that we actually need to live. Right. Right. We need... We need water, we need food, we need shelter, right? Mm-hmm. We we need love, right? Like to function, right? We we do need a job, you know. But other than that, like not not deep. I don't need to eat pie, you know. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to go to the movies. I don't need to drink, you know, alcohol. I don't need to, you know. Uh, so, so there's a lot of things that we don't need that become very, you know, habits in our lives, you know, and they just become, they creep in. I find personally myself is like a lot of times in Lent, like I'll look back at the season of ordinary times like, man, I've kind of developed some, some habits that are just over and over. I haven't been mm. intentional and Lent gives me opportunity. Like, man, how much caffeine am I drinking? Or like, mm-hmm. you know, how, how much am I going out, you know, to eat or you know, I, you know, how much am I like on my phone? You know, like mm-hmm. it just kind of creeps in, like how, how much? And it, this is a time to just, you know, weed out and cut back. So, so as you're looking intentionally at your life and saying, what are some of those habits? Be intentional about cutting them back, carving more space for God, because God wants you to be, um, you know, totally rely on him, not on those other things. Right, right. Well, I love that you brought up attitudes, um, an author that I really like. Uh, Father Luigi Giassani, attitude's a big deal for him. He'd bring it up a lot. And he basically said there were two types of attitudes, closed and open. Hmm. And so the closed attitude is not open to how things really are and only sees things through a certain lens that I, I'm not open to seeing it in any other lens. Right. But the open attitude is before the Lord, before life, before reality, where my disposition is always one of openness. I'm looking for God's will in every situation and whatever it is. Like it could be somebody that shows up at, you know, gives me a call and they're bringing all kind of drama into my life, whatever. Right. I could have an attitude of being close to it. Right. Like I don't want it or open to like, God, all right, what do you want me to do in this situation? Right. And so um, the thing is, a lot of us are hindered spiritually, me included, because of our attitudes and that we approach certain situations in life not looking for the will of God like not open to what God has in store for us. Right. We're closed. And sometimes we could say it's a bad attitude. Sometimes it's straight face. Like we're being very nice about it, but we're still just not open at all. Right. <laughs> you know? And I think our bad attitudes affect and reflect our relationship with God. If our attitude about our life is negative and bad, when we approach God, we assume that, you know, nothing's going to change, mm-hmm. basically, Right. So I was having a conversation in a one-on-one coaching session with um, a guy who, who's um, you know about to graduate college or hopefully like, and I see I was like, so you're 
you know, you're graduating this year. And he said, you know, like immediately, he's just like, maybe. <laughs> right. And like, he didn't even catch himself. And I was like, you literally just told yourself that you might not, mm -hmm. you might not. He's like, what do you mean? And so we started talking it out and I was like, tell me what else you, you say inside yourself about yourself mm -hmm. and about your life. And it was all negative. It yep. was all negative attitude and self-talk. And then it's like, well, you go into approach God, you're just approaching God negatively. Like, you know, um, and what he has for you and what, you know, what's ahead for you. And so it's this consonant, you know, attitude that's not only bad about the world or bad about other people, but it starts in our ourselves. Yes. And our attitude about ourselves. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about this on be intentional about Lent and how to kind of change those habits, attitudes, and relationships. Paul and Adam, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George in studio right next to Adam Conk. I kind of started the first segment like that. You did. Yeah. It was beautiful. Because the studio is so small, I can't go anywhere else. <laughs> so anyway, man. Where else are you going to be? We're talking about being intentional for Lent. Yeah, and I loved uh, the attitude discussion because I think it's so important. I think one of the biggest acts of faith today is to believe that each moment is essentially a positive moment. Right. And I say that because we have so much anxiety yep. and negativity in, the, in our culture today. Right. It's just how we live. We all live stressed out, anxious, and worried. Yeah. Like for some reason, that's just default. Right. And so what an act of faith to say, okay, in the midst of whatever's going on right now, it's, it's a positive moment. In yes. other words, God has something good for me every moment of every day. Right. That's a huge act of faith. Yeah. Because, you know, what we talked about, and, you know, I want to bring this up again is, you know, our attitudes about ourselves, about the world, and about other people, I think drastically affect our attitude about God. Oh, yeah. Because if we're negative about, you know, other things, we're going to be negative towards God as well. You know, we're not going to expect the good things, um, positive things. And and then we, you know, here's the thing I've learned in my own life is that we begin to believe what we say about ourselves. Mm -hmm. We begin to believe what we think about ourselves or about other people or about our situation. And oftentimes I, I find that... Uh, you know, people who constantly just feel stuck and like in the in the same cycle of whatever it is 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 they just think that that's it. Like then mm -hmm. they just kind of self talk themselves into like living this this negative life, right? And and they almost become victims to themselves. You know, this is kind of inspiring me to do something for Lent. What I'm gonna give up saying good days and bad days. You know, how you ask somebody yeah. like, yeah, yeah. "How's your day going?" I have good days. Oh, it's a good day. Yeah. Or, you know, I've had kind of a bad day. I don't really use that language. So maybe that's not a great thing for me to give mm -hmm. up, but maybe someone else who uses it yeah. a lot. Because what it's saying is that the day is good or bad based on what happens to me, not based on God's will for my life, not based on 
I mean, is is there a day that God has given me that could possibly be a bad day? Right. Now, I'm not saying it's not a difficult day. I mean, right. some of us, you know, our loved ones die on a certain day or our, our house burns down on a certain day or, you know, right. very horrible things can happen. Yeah. But every day is a gift from God. That takes a lot of faith to actually believe that. Right. You know, that God has something good to give to me today. And it, our attitude towards ourselves and our day and our circumstances and all of it affect how we relate to God, absolutely. Yeah, so if it's not your habits, it's not your attitudes, then it might be your relationships. Mm. And I think that's a, that's a hard one because relationships are something we're so sensitive about, whether it be family relationships or friendships. But lo and behold, I think we are the sum of the people we hang out with. We, we become what we surround ourselves with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who we surround ourselves with, you know? And so if we want to move forward in our life, we want to think positive, we want to have better habits, uh, we want to be holier, uh, we want to, you know, become whatever it is God wants us to become, we got to surround ourselves with people who are trying to do the same. If if not, the, then we won't move forward, you know? But And if the, vice versa, like the opposite is true. If we're hanging around people who have bad habits and bad attitudes and do negative things. And um, th- we just become that. We literally do. Yeah. And I think investing in relationships is important. So let's say I have people in my life that are good people, but how do I actually engage in a relationship with them? You invest in relationships. I think a lot of us, relationships are just default. We hang around the people we're around and we don't really get investing in relationships and what that actually looks like. So tell me what that looks like. Let's say I have somebody in my life I've identified. This is someone I want to get to know. This is someone I want to be around. This is someone I want to influence me. How do I invest in that relationship? Right. Well, we've been using this word in, in the shows, intentional. I We have to be intentional about our relationships and our friendships. And what I mean by being intentional is that if I want a relationship, whether it be my marriage or relationship with my kids or relationships with my friends, if I want them to have meaning and purpose and move in a certain direction, I have to be intentional about that. And sometimes that's difficult. You know, good, holy, loving relationships aren't always easy. You know, take marriage, for example, or parenthood mm-hmm. or even friendships. You're going to have conflict. But to be intentional about saying, I want to invest in this relationship and I want this relationship to be something that's mutually beneficial to moving my life forward and theirs as well, right? Uh, when we're not intentional about relationships, what ends up happening is we just surround ourselves with people who make us feel comfortable. Yeah. And and then nothing of depth happens, you know? So I'm just hanging out with these people because I have no one else to hang out with, or we just do these things and we don't even think about it, or we just talk about this and we don't think about anything else, or we just do these things and because that's what we've always done. There's no intentionality about doing anything different, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for Lent with relationships, maybe, you know, it'd be interesting. I know of several people that I admire a lot, uh, the way they live their life, their Christian walk, what if I kind of investigated just some things that they do on a daily basis that, um, you know, maybe I don't know. Like, for example, how, what do you do in the mornings? Like, what time do you wake up? Um, what's your morning routine like, you know? Like learning from other people. Right. Yeah. And, but being intentional and then saying, okay, this Lent, what if I tried a couple of those things? What if I tried making these adjustments? I think I, think I would benefit from it. Then that relationship actually impacts my life. Um, on a more, on a deeper level than just an interesting person to know. Like I yep. actually get inside their head, get inside their life, and let it influence me in a positive way. 
then I've actually, that relationship has impacted my Lent. Absolutely. Know? All right. So we're going to do a six pack of questions on how to change habits, attitudes, and relationships for Lent. You ready for this? Question. This is like a heavy six pack. This is not like a light beer six pack. This no, is this like, is like a. It's like a stout spiritual yeah, six pack. Yeah, this is this is a Guinness <laughs> a Guinness pack of questions. All right, question number one. All right, so I'll start with habits. Mm-hmm. This is this is intriguing because I think you're totally right. Um, the problem with habits is that they're habits, right? So <laughs> yep. it's like it's very yeah. difficult to get into a habit. Uh, a cycle of, of acting a certain way, thinking a certain way, and making... So what are some techniques you've learned working with people in, in your own life that are effective to really getting that done, you know, shaking up a, a, a habit? Um, well, evaluate the habit. You know, how bad's the habit, right? So you say, well, I, you know, I smoke every day, or, you know, I drink too much, or I eat this, or I'm on my phone all the time, or, you know, whatever the habit is that you just constantly find yourself, like, doing over and over again. Evaluate the habit. Do you do it by yourself, or you do it with other people? Mm-hmm. You do it with other people, then, you know, you got to have to change your surroundings, right? You're like, you know, people are like, you know, I only smoke when I'm with other people. I'm like, what does that <laughs> even mean? Well, stop being with those people if you don't want to smoke, right? Anyway, evaluate the habit. How often do you do it? When do you do it? Where do you do it? And evaluate, like, how to begin to change maybe the people or the surroundings or the situation that kind of keeps you in that habit. Well, when I get home, I'm stressed. I do this, right? And it's constantly become a habit. And sometimes, you know, just sometimes you could just cut it out and that's great, but sometimes that's hard. Mm -hmm. So you may just want to start small. Like I'm just going to not do that habit on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, start small to kind of weed it out. And then oftentimes I think it's really good to, in place of a habit, place something positive, right? So instead of doing this, I'm going to do this that's positive. I'm going to go to the adoration chapel instead of going home at this time when I'm always do this thing, right? Or I'm going to have a prayer time, or I'm going to, you know, go do some service, or I'm going to have some quiet, you know, like I'm going to do exercise instead of, you know, I, I don't know, like order a large pizza every evening and eat it by myself. I, I You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. replace something positive in the negative and begin to slowly weed out the habit. That's why Lent's not a day. Mm-hmm. Lent's a journey. That's why Lent is 40 days. It's like, it's like time to weed out the old and bring in the new. Love it. Right? Yeah. Bring in that new. Bring in the new. All right, so question number two. There's a big difference between me planning my Lent and God planning my Lent. Hmm. So when it comes to habits, we probably all have 20 that we could evaluate, right? Like there's a big menu for most of us. Sure. How do you really discern and pray through uh, the habits that matter to God and not just, you know, that I might pick? That's a great question. So when I would evaluate the habit, I I would start with, you know, there's some habits that... um, you know, maybe aren't hindering your relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's neither a positive or a negative habit. It's just a habit. But I would start with evaluating which habit or habits are keeping you from a relationship with Jesus, like a like a like a really healthy relationship with Jesus. And I guarantee you, if you can evaluate what's holding you back from your relationship with God 
then God wants the same thing out of your life that you want. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. so he sees what's holding you back and you see what's holding you back. You have the, the same thing in common. You want that habit to begin to weed out of your life, right? So it, it, it could be, as you evaluate, like something small, it could be something big, it could be something constant, it could be something that's every now and then, but it's, it's something that you become aware of that's saying, you know, if I didn't do this, I, my relationship with Jesus would probably be better. And that's the habit I want to start with this Lent. Right on. All right, question number three. We're going to go to attitudes now. So bad attitudes. Some of us just have bad attitudes, like in general. Like yeah. Just, so I'm sure you've worked with people one on one or whatever, where you've seen a transformation of attitude. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us, <clears throat> excuse me, with bad attitudes, we don't want to have bad attitudes. Nobody does. So give us some hope. You know, like what does transformation of your attitude look like over time? And and um, what are the things that actually help change an attitude? Yeah, I, you know, like I'm, I'm one that falls into the pit of bad attitude every now and then. You know, things go bad. You know, you have some, some setbacks, and then you start negative talking, or you have bad days, or, you know, like we're, we're all there, and we do. And you said it earlier, we do live in a society and culture where we're overly worried, overly stressed, overly anxious, and we can constantly begin to begin a habit of negative self-talk and attitudes about ourselves, about God, and about other people about our situation and surroundings. How do you change that? Like, how do you begin to switch gears? And I think, you know, one is that you find that, that uh, in studies that people who, who have c- consistent prayer time in their life are happier, right? Because prayer and meditation helps you evaluate your thought process and put it onto God in a conversation. And then allowing Jesus in prayer to change that attitude, Right? So you go into prayer and you say, Jesus, my life's horrible or this happened and, you know, I'm constantly this. And then as you begin to pray and reflect, reading scripture, uh, reading Psalms, you begin to, your mind begins to, to change course on the way you're thinking, right? Um, that's why it's so important to observe, uh, uh, absorb the word, you know, Jesus's words, because it, it, it transforming, reading the scriptures, uh, you know, praying the, the prayers of the church, it, it's changing our mind, you know? And that's why St. Paul says, uh, you know, and he writes, he says, but I have the mind of Christ. That, that's changing my attitude from mind to, to uh, the way Jesus thinks, right? Mm. And so uh, prayer helps us to change that, and then catching ourselves in negative self-talk to be able to stop and say, you know what, I just thought a real negative thought i'm going to bring that back into prayer into G- into jesus and say what do you think about this so my day is horrible it's a bad day you know and i could just be driving thinking that and i say well lord what do you say and he's you know just be thankful you mm-hmm. know now be grateful you know today's not a bad day and you just change your your the track that you're on of, of negativity something that i constantly am trying to work on right on all right question number four I remember a priest friend of mine tells a story about be careful what you give up for Lent because it might give you a bad attitude. So he was saying, like, I gave up coffee, <laughs> and by, like, the second week, everybody asked me to switch a penance because I became just a jerk. That happened That's to what me before, yeah. <laughs> so uh, my question is, attitude seems to be kind of a 
a barometer of like, is what I'm trying spiritually actually good for me? Because not everything in the church is what Jesus wants for me or is right. good for me. Not every spirituality, not every penance. Right. Um, so is attitude kind of a way to kind of gauge, is this working or is it not working? Yeah. You know, I gave up something for Lent one time. My wife was like, you, you can't do that because it's a, it negatively affects everyone else in the house. <laughs> right, you're just you're just a worse person for just giving a that jerk. up. <laughs> you know, and I think I tried to overfast, and to the point where it was like, you know, making me really like hangry, like I was ha- just not, you know, like functioning well, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it was affecting everything. But here's the thing about habits and attitudes. I want to bring up with your question is I think because we get in this cycle of the church and and Lent comes around every year, we just go back into the same habit and attitude about Lent. Mm-hmm. You know, so my habit with Lent every year is I just do this every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my attitude about Lent is ah, it's Lent, mm-hmm. right? So we got to actually change our attitude about Lent. Like Lent's coming. This is a positive thing for me. Mm-hmm. I get the opportunity to grow, right? That's a different way of looking at Lent. Like I have the opportunity to grow this Lent, right? To to, to accept the invitation that Jesus has for me, and I'm going to do something different. Right. So they say, like, if you work out and you work the same muscle the same way every time, eventually the muscles stop growing because it gets used to doing the same thing over and over. So they say, uh, don't stop working the muscle, just work it differently. Like, Mm -hmm. do a different exercise for the muscle and then it'll grow. Like, it'll, 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 you know, switch gears. So this Lent, think of a different thing. Think of something different to get you out of the rut of Lent and the habit and change your attitude about it. And I'm telling you, if you're intentional about changing your attitude and habits about Lent, you're going to have a much better Lent this year. Love it. All right, question number five, dealing with relationships. Um, what do you suggest? I mean, Lent seems like a good chunk of time to do things with people. So maybe we have people in our life already that you know we appreciate and we think they're good mentors for us or good like you know partners on the spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. What are some things we could do together during Lent that might be effective, you know, where they can actually impact our life. and we Like can as a family theirs. or friendships? Or like friendships, or, yeah. Like yep. in these in these people that we've come to appreciate around us, what are some good Lenten things you've done or maybe others have done during Lent uh, as friends? Yeah, that's a great question. I think at Lent is a good opportunity to maybe get in a Bible study or a men's group or a women's group or a, a book study, like to spiritually grow. You know, because what I like do like about Lent is that there's a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. You know, it's let's start here and end here. And we, I think as humans, we operate well like that with a beginning and an end. So we can become really intentional about it. Uh, so, so get a group or maybe get a couple of guys or friends and say, um, let's read this reflection every day and talk about it once a week or get this on this email list or whatever the case may be. And then what ends up happening is then you have a common journey together, you know, um, and so it, you don't have to complicate it. You know, if you can't find a Bible study or a group or whatever, um, get on some reflection that's sent to you and get on an email and read it and know that your other friends are reading it and maybe talk about it, text about it. So you're having this common conversation around a common experience to grow together. And that really transforms relationships because you're being intentional about the relationships mm-hmm. and you're being intentional about the relationships being God centered relationships. Hey, what's God doing in your life this Lent? Well, it's different for all of us, but let's have that conversation. I love that. I love it. All right. Question number six. All right. So we've been talking about relationships with people that are help us grow. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about relationships with people where we need to help them, yeah. particularly the needy. So one of the, three 
cores of Lent is almsgiving, right? Right. And so as we evaluate our relationships, like how do we really assess what God's asking us to do for those in need around mm-hmm. us? That's a good question. So, yeah, Lent calls us to fast, to penance, and to almsgiving, right? We often don't think about that. And almsgiving is tithing and giving. Uh, but I do think Lent is an, an interesting time to look at how can I, I uh, help those maybe physically or spiritually who are suffering? Mm-hmm. And how can I give my time and, and money to that? You know, can I go and help a homeless shelter or a nursing home? Can I give money to an organization that's really supporting those who are poor and in need? Here's what I think that often brings us out of spiritual desolation, Okay. And desolation means, you know, I'm really struggling in my relationship with God, seeing good things for my life and my relationship with God. Service, like giving, giving ourselves our time and our money actually is one of those things that brings us out of spiritual desolation. Mother Teresa talked about that a lot, and she experienced spiritual desolation in her life. But really what brought joy in the midst of the spiritual desolation was what? Feeding the poor, going out and rescuing those who are dying on the streets, taking care of orphanage, the, the orphans in the orphanage. That was like one of the, the things that really pulled her out of spiritual desolation or even in the midst of spiritual de- desolation, experiencing joy. So that'd be a good thing to do. Love it. So anyway, wow. we yeah, have man. no excuse now. We all need to have a great Lent. It's a great land. We're going to talk more about it. Good show. Thanks, Adam, for being here. You can get the show on the podcast, iTunes, or Google Play. Uh, thanks to KLFT Radio for getting the show on the air and all the sponsors. Um, you can go find the show on discovertheartofliving.com. You can support us uh, and all the work that we're doing. Um, our upcoming Married Conference is coming up. We're excited about that. The book, Rethink Happiness. And uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful Lent, and we'll certainly be back to talk more about it. It's Paul and Adam talking to Art of Living. We'll see you next week. God bless.